Dempsey, and welcome to Please Watch This, a film podcast from Hugh Dempsey and Sam Blakely, where we watch films each week together and decide who has better taste. And I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. In this life or the next. Hello, yes, welcome. I'm Hugh. Uh, that other voice you heard there, Sam. Uh, that was my poor, poor impression of. Uh, what was it of uh, Russell Crowe Maximus Decimus yeah, yeah, I mean you, you do actually usually when you crack out an, an impression it's alright that was that was pretty bad <laughs> it was just a sort of generic gravel was one. it sorry I'll, I'll try I'll... it needs to be more Spanish you know because he's from Trujillo so. yeah I mean obviously that's yeah because he clearly sounds Spanish in this it's a curious thing that in most like Roman films that people are either English or American they're never, and they're predominantly English. Well, in, in the English and American films that you watch about Rome. Yeah, but no one ever... <laughs> Presumably not in the Italian films that you haven't seen about Rome. Yeah, but no one ever affects, like, an Italian accent, do they? Oh, it'd be so distracting. Terrible idea. I think there was um, a show on recently on Netflix called Barbarians, and the, um, the, the Romans in that actually spoke Latin and with an Italian accent. Um, it was like this Italian. No, it wasn't a like a dead Italian, but it was like Italian. <laughs> you could tell it was an Italian accent of some form. Right. But yeah, how are you, Sam? How's life? Everything in the universe? All those things are great. Yeah, not bad at all. Uh, I don't really have anything to report. I went to the cinema. Did that happen this week? Yes, that happened this week. I went to the cinema, Hugh, for the first time. Yeah. Uh, since last summer, uh, which is a glorious, glorious feeling to be around people in the cinema again. What film did you go to see? Went to see the multi-Oscar award-winning Nomadland, of course, um, which we might do on the show. But I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if I want to re- recommend it to you. Um, I'll be honest; but, it's not a film. I'm. I wouldn't not watch it, but I'm, I wouldn't want to really do it for the show. It just doesn't look that interesting to me, to be brutally honest. Yeah, and I think that's that's what we discovered in doing this podcast. We do have differences in opinion, and that is one of them. You know, in that. Nomadland is is much more character based and uh, thoughtful than you know even than like there will be blood or something like that. So I think, uh, but there's even less to kind of get your teeth into in terms of you know cutting people's heads off and fighting tigers and stuff, which I know is what you're into. A tiger in Africa? Well, you know, I like a bit of <laughs> like a bit of action, but I, I, I like stuff with character. I mean, don't, I'm not a complete philistine or whatever you'd have me no uh, no but I, I, yeah I, I, I mean you know I think you'd appreciate it but you wouldn't enjoy it and that's fine so I think we probably won't cover it what have you been up to this week Hugh uh, did I say I got my exercise bike last week on the on the pod no you said that I think possibly or maybe you did maybe, maybe you did but we've, we've talked we've guested on our good friend Dakota's pod we've done yeah, all sorts of talking I think, I, think I did mention it but what I didn't mention last week is how like uncomfortable it is <laughs> but I'm slowly acclimatising to it I suppose you could say yeah been yeah sweating but I get, get to watch films I watched I watched Gladiator while uh, using it one the uh, yes last night so that was that was good fun bit of multitasking it's quite a long film are you knackered <laughs> well I, I only did it for an hour on the bike and then watched. yeah, yeah. so yeah um, speaking of Oscar winning films uh, we're going to do and Gladiator <laughs> well yeah um, we are going to do glad. Yeah, we're d- this week's episode is about the 2000 Ridley Scott directed Russell Crowe starring gl- film Gladiator. Um, 
that's what I asked Sam to watch. That's what he watched. Now, Sam, just before I get into this, I want to know which version you watched because I the version Ooh. I watched was the the extended edition. Which one did you watch? I watched the two hour thirty five, which I'm assuming is not the extended edition. The one on Netflix. Uh, no, it was on Netflix. Oh, I didn't know it was on Netflix. Yeah, surprisingly. I mean, I'm sure when we were deciding on a film last week, it wasn't on Netflix, and I was worrying about how I was going to watch it. And then last night, in um, desperation, I was like, oh, I'll just check. Just double check. It, it was indeed on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, I imagine you probably got the theatrical cut then, which is fine. I've seen both multiple times. Um, you don't. So the, the extended is that, what, over three hours? No, it's, um, it's, about, it's about two hours... 40. It's got about four or five minutes extra. There's, oh, right, there's, okay. not, there's literally maybe three extra scenes, or, and there's one scene that's like extended a little bit where you learn about one of the characters, but you can see why they cut it out and it doesn't really make no, a difference to the film. I, um, it's, yeah, that's, there are some director's cut and extended editions that you absolutely ought to have seen to discuss it. Yeah, this is... I'm glad that this is basically the the same thing. Yeah, there's only there's only one scene that I really liked that I wish they'd kept in, in the original edition, and that's um, basically, you know, after he reveals who he is to the, uh, mm. to all the, to all the crowd and everybody in the arena, in the Coliseum, um, it then cut, the next cut, I think, is to, um, it's to Commodus and he's writing, so you know, signing some like orders or letters or whatever. And he's talking to Lucilla and he's saying, Oh, you know, they lie to me in Germania. If they don't, you know, if they've lied to me, they doesn't mean they don't respect me or whatever. Ah, uh, oh, that is in this version. Yeah, no, that no, that isn't this. That's what cuts in this version. But in the, the in the extended cut, you actually see two Praetorian guards being executed for lying, basically. Author. Oh right, okay. and then, yeah. yeah, and but it's a really like tense scene because he he questions um, uh, Maximus's colleague who he meets at the beginning of the battle. I can't remember the character's name, um, Quintus. Quintus, yeah, that's right. he basically questions Quintus's loyalty, and um, he stands like in between the two men who are who are like tied to posts, and they're basically in front of like a firing squad with people with bow and arrows and um, he basically says you know he tests Quintus's loyalty by saying well give the order then and he stands in between them and obviously you can see like the bowmen straining because they like they like he basically they sit like get they, draw, they go to draw their bows but he holds them like you know being all arch <laughs> he makes them hold it for ages <laughs> uh, well, he's, and he stood in front of them and stood in front of Quintus uh, talking to Quintus, sorry, and then he goes and stands in between the two men, and the two men get shot, and he's like right there in between, you know, straight arrow could have easily killed him, but to right. show he's the emperor, he's the man in charge, he's like, I will stand here, and you know, some big, some big dick energy, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, complete. That might actually make him look uh, brave, so maybe that's why. They I don't know. It, no, he he does seem crazy because basically they're like, oh, we thought it was a barbarian raid, and he's like, well, I don't believe that because. You, you know, did you see Maximus's body sort of thing? Right. So, um, right. but he doesn't say anyway, that. Anyway, let's get into the. Uh, let's get into the film. Then. Yeah, we're, yeah, the we've pretty thing. much got. 
we've jumped on straight away, haven't we? Dipped our toes. Yeah. So Sam, uh, before you know, if uh, before you'd seen this film, what what did you know about it? Because I felt like you would have seen lots of this film in snippets mm. here and there over the years. I knew a lot of it, and I think part of the problem is that the the very famous, you know, I am Maximus Decimus Meridius, father to a, a murdered son. It's a bit of a spoiler, isn't it? <laughs> you know, so I sort of knew that was happening. I think I knew a lot of the stuff, but there's a lot I didn't. You know, it's a it's a reasonably long film; it's two and a half hours, and really, I knew some of the some of the Colosseum stuff and the fact that his wife and son were murdered. Um, I think I knew that he was sold into slavery. Yeah, you, so you basically knew the story beats, but perhaps not in the the order that you were. Yeah, the spine of it, but you know, I'd I'd never actually seen Oliver Reed's character or Richard Harris's character and yeah. lots of other stuff. I didn't really know. I didn't know that he was trying to carry out the order of Marcus Aurelius to turn it into a republic. So that was obviously an important part of it. Fair enough. That's uh, that's fair enough. So basically, um, I'll just give. Uh, would you like a quick? Would you like a quick summary? I'll do a summary. I want a really quick summary where do you don't start don't start with the first scene. My I advice won't. to you is don't start with the first oh, scene. That's a very good idea. <laughs> that's the that's the trap you fall into because then you feel like you've got to go scene by scene. So don't start with the first scene. Set it up for us. So in summary, what happens is Marcus Aurelius, he's a Roman general, he's he basically falls on the wrong side of the political divide in a new regime. Uh, he's basically seen as an enemy to the current, the new emperor, who's Joaquin uh, Phoenix's character, Commodus, after his previous emperor who he was close friends with, Marcus Aurelius, is murdered by Commodus, and he basically goes to be executed, escapes execution, uh, is injured whilst escaping, and then basically, yeah, as Sam said, he's sold into slavery, becomes a gladiator, and then he goes to Rome, and because Commodus is so in love with games, he ends up becoming a famous gladiator and challenging Commodus, and um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, I don't know, there's a lot of action, there's a lot of, there's a lot of political intrigue, it's all these sort of, sort of themes rolled into one, isn't it, I would say, with Gladiator. A round of applause there, Hugh. That was that was the snappiest uh, summary that was the ever. Quickest, Very well done. It was the most detailed summary I've ever done. Because you set it up, you didn't go right. So in the first scene, yeah. <laughs> so well done, well Thank done. Thank you. So obviously, uh, this is a film I hadn't seen. Uh, for new listeners, Hugh is a big history buff. I know Rome is an interesting. Uh, period of time for you yeah, you know, I, would, about it. yeah. I think it was your dissertation about Rome I well, yeah it was set I did a dissertation about uh, Boudicca who was whose right. was during so a bit the, before this was that uh, yeah it would have been a hundred and twenty years before roughly right well, fair enough yeah. but you know it's well, something you know yeah, stuff so about this is, this is set in 180 I think it says at the I beginning. think so yeah yeah 180 yeah. Yeah, AD yeah. Um, yeah so tell us you know what is it you like about this film I, I assume it's a film you watched when you were quite young and have, have loved for years since or is it actually not that no, close to your heart no you're pretty much correct yeah I really this is one of my favourite films of all time uh, I, I didn't see it at the cinema uh, unfortunately I was a bit too young but I did mm. watch it on Sky Cinema like Maybe eighteen months after it came out, two thousand one, right. two thousand two, perhaps. Maybe probably two fourteen. Yeah, thirteen or fourteen when I saw it, and I just loved it from the minute I saw it. I love that 
whole I used to know that um, Marcus uh, you know that my name is Maximus Decimus really a speech off by heart yeah. you know I could I used to do it like all the time like I yeah I just think this film's great I, th- I think it's got it's got great visuals great action great acting great story great plot you know Joaquin Phoenix is excellent as as always he's like he's 25 I think when he made this film and he's just well, he's he's so malevolent but yet so vulnerable but yet you know also maniacal um yeah you've got um Richard Harris's Marcus Aurelius you know this philosopher king sort of character I think I think Richard Harris was a bit older than what Marcus Aurelius was in real life when he died I think Richard Harris is in like his early 70s maybe in this film and I think Marcus Aurelius died when he was in like his early 60s I would say but he plays that sort of how how important is that to you the, the accuracy I mean how true is this story so this story is obviously it's not true there was no Roman gladiator who rose up and challenged Commodus the, the only part of this film that has any bearing in truth is about Commodus who it really loved Roman um, gladiatorial games and things like that um, in this film he, they actually played down the amount of like how in love with the the Colosseum he was and the games. So he used to partake in uh, gladiatorial fights where, you know, they were always tipped in his favour because he was the emperor. You know, he'd have like a steel sword and they might have like a a lead sword or a blunted blade. Um, He would kill... You know, animals in the in the in the Colosseum. Um, he was a fanatical about it, and um, yeah, in this film, maybe what he's there in charge of Rome for like a year or something, maybe maximum. You know, it's probably less than that, quite frankly. Um, yeah, I'd say about a year maximum. Yeah, hey, see what you did there. You see, you did you did yourself a little uh, little quip. But I think in I got to bed about two two thirty. Thinking about yeah, but I think in real life, um, if memory serves me correct, I'm just going to double check. Um, Commodus reigned for about oh gosh it was how long does it say he was Roman Emperor for uh, so yeah technically 16 years but at one point he was he was co-emperor with Marcus Aurelius so from Marcus Aurelius's death in 180 he was uh, emperor for about 12 years so this and, and he was mad. This is the, like this is the, no, this is the Caesar line. So Marcus Aurelius is uh, how far after Julius Caesar? It's about hundred years. Um, but maybe, no, maybe it's more. more than that. Well, Caesar died. Oh, fifty-five BC, wasn't it? Uh, they invaded. Yeah, was that under Caesar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they and so did Caesar become the the name for the emperor? Basically, yeah. His his was a. It was like a. You know, because you, you hear Lucilla, don't you say, "Oh." Hail, you know, hail Caesar when she's she kind of figured out what's happened. Um, so yeah, it was just it was like a title conferred on people, sort of thing. I mean, technically, the that so the the there was never they were never called like emperor. There were no, um, there was like a, a military position called imperator, and that would be what like. It's like a supreme leader of the army, sort of name was, um, but and then sorry, sorry to like keep with the history rather than the film. No, Obviously, the, 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 a big part of the film is Marcus Aurelius wants his legacy to be, you know, returning it back to the republic, and and it's not about war and all that. 
I don't know when Rome fell. You know, at what point did all this end, and so when it, when did it become a republic? So, to answer your original question, this is so Julius Caesar died, I think, in forty three BC. This is obviously one eighty. So, what's that? One hundred and forty um, three years. Oh, two hundred years and two hundred years or more. Is it forty odd BC? Oh gosh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, sorry, yeah, two hundred and odd years. Yeah, two hundred and what's that? Forty years or something. So. No, two hundred thirty years, isn't it? It doesn't really matter. Yeah, quite a long time. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, it's about two hundred odd years, but it's still like, I mean, if you know your, any of your Roman emperors, I mean, it's still what a hundred and sort of twenty twenty years before Constantine the Great, you know that kind of way. So it's this is um, so there was a period called the Five Good Emperors, and Marcus Aurelius was the last of this, the Five Good Emperors, and the famous. Uh, historian Edward Gibbon said that there was no better time to be alive than during the period of the five good emperors basically so you had um, I think starting with um, I think it's not Hadrian I can't remember the order of them but it's like Hadrian uh, Marcus Aurelius and like a, a, another couple like a guy called Antonius three other lads this guy called Antonius Pius um, who didn't really do anything for 20 years but yeah there was um and yeah, so and then so yeah, so you would have you have this thing called so Julius so Julius Caesar's successor, basically the guy who Julius Caesar left all his wealth and power to essentially was a guy called um Gaius Octavian and who became later known as um Caesar Augustus basically. Um right. and he set up a position called the Prince the Princeps. So technically and all it really meant was like first citizen. So technically, in this film, Marcus Aurelius and Commodus are f- princeps. That's their official title within the Roman political system. That I suppose what they've done with this film is they've just made it consumable to a, a yeah, late audience. Yeah, he's they're, they're, he's a you know Marcus Aurelius is king, Commodus is the prince. You know that's yeah. that's the kind yeah, exactly. of the best way to look at it. But yeah, yeah. so yeah, so Commodus reigned for like twelve years managed the I mean he was like what 18 when he became sole emperor 19 um died when he was 31 um you know went around calling himself her you know the, believed he was like the second coming of Hercules and all this crazy <laughs> shit mismanaged the empire horrifically uh, and then was assassinated which then led into what's basically known as the crisis of the third century so Rome went through like an absolute shitload quite frankly is the historical <laughs> the correct term of uh, Roman emperors but yeah there was never it, it, it's the curious the, the old question is you know why did the why did the the Roman Republic fold why did it collapse and why did no emperor or why did nobody after decide to restore it like the point of this film is and that's never happened they basically went they were it was kind of like oh well we're so powerful that any anyone who gets a little bit of power just becomes emperor and it causes civil war so they were kind of it was kind of almost like a co- political compromise to have an emperor almost well I mean did you not watch the film Russell Crowe did turn back into a <laughs> yeah movie. I mean obviously yeah <laughs> with Derek Jacobi so yeah with Derek Jacobi <laughs> clearly yeah, not watched yeah. the film already uh, and to answer your final question that you said when did the Roman Empire fall it was uh, in the west at least 476 AD under the last puppet emperor a young lad called Romulus Augustulus 
Which is a great name because it's like that Romulus is a, that is a Roman Augustus. Name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like they were trying to get Romulus the Augustus Rome. Caesar. So yeah. Awesome. So yes, yeah, so that's what I just I just think this film's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's our little potted history for lay, the lay, lay audience like me, just to give a bit of context to it. So yeah. So you kind of you've listed off a few things. Are there are there other specifics and, and things maybe that you think I would like about it as well? Um, it's more. I just think the story's really good. The action is engaging. It's not. It's not action for action's sake. There, there's a point to it. You know that he goes into the arena because he gets put into slavery. It's not like he decides to become a gladiator. Um, you know he fights um, the the goal in the arena because that's because basically you know I mean that's maybe the most contrived bit of the film perhaps is when. You know, Commodus basically is like, oh, well, I'm going to get him killed in the arena, you know, that kind of a way, and gets somebody in to do it. But, yeah, other than that, it's, um, yeah, I just, you know, you've got good acting. Oliver Reed, I haven't even mentioned, playing Proximo, who's, um, you know, really great in this film, even with... It's wall-to-wall thesps, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, with, yeah, with Re- Oliver Reed, Derek Jacobi, and... Uh, um, and Richard Oliver, Harris. Richard Harris, and, yeah... Mm-hmm. Um, it's just got so many great memorable lines in it. You know what I mean? I, I, you might, I mean, a lot of these have stayed, you know, they stay with you for years. Like um, when Proximo's talking to Marcus just before he fights the goal and he's like, you know, shadows and dust, you know, we are mortals, we are shadows and dust. It's, it's interesting. When I was mm. making my notes and coming up with my quotes, which is my usual weekly rhyme, mm. Um, mm. I thought I could look at the IMDb or I'll just go on YouTube. I was also trying to decide my best, my favourite scenes, so I just put Gladiator best scenes and there's a 10 minute montage of its most memorable lines and I did find it interesting that there was a lot of lines I'd heard that I didn't know were from this film. You know, whether it's... Um, yeah. At my word, unleash hell. That's yeah, stuff. God, I haven't even put that in my quote list, but yeah, another great line. Um, visually, it's quite a striking film. It's got a very specific sort of colour palette. It's very like earthy. I would suggest you know it's got it's it's an unusual look, but it's a it's a very enjoyable look. Um, the music's great in it. You know, Hans Zimmer and uh, a lady called uh, Lisa Gerard did the score for this film, who's. Lisa Gerrard was apparently in a band in the 80s so and she's really good in it she actually sings the song at the end of the film but Uh, in the in the subtitles it's always woman vocalising I think in fact I think I think it's in like some sort of weird North African dialect or something it's not even she's in she's Australian and she's singing in this weird yeah it's amazing it's an Australian UK US production yeah. I suppose um, something that struck me when watching it again yesterday this film's what 21 years old 21 years of age now and the great thing you can do with films like this and I, th- I would say Lord of the Rings you know a film that came out you know not long after it about a year later is because they're set in these like this is set in ancient times sort of uh, Lord of the Rings is set in a sort of a you know, a medieval kind of world, but, you know, it's a, you know, a fantasy world. They hold up really well. They age a lot better than, say, something like The Matrix, you know, which is a great film. I, I hope you're not about to criticise The Matrix. No, it's still a great film, but it, it looks its age a little bit now when you watch it compared to this. Which oh, I so you mean that there's a, t- there's a timelessness to historical and fantasy-based rather than More a specific, or less, yeah. like, technological times, you know. Yeah. Please flip the phone. Yeah, yeah. Like, and the use of the CGI here is 
it's not in your face sort of thing. It's just used to like emphasize the backgrounds and you know to show you like the size and scale of Rome. But yeah, what you might not like about it, and I hope you do like it, but you might have been a bit bored by it. Like you might have been like, oh, it's a lot of people walking in rooms and looking very depressed or anxious or you know. Um, <laughs> that is a common criticism of uh, later films. No, you, do you know what I mean? Though you might not have been engaged with it, you might not really cared too much about it. Um, I would say that the, the the only real fault I've ever found with this film is I don't find Maximus as a character that interesting. He's a very earnest patrician sort of character who's you know he's very moral and upright and. You know, he's like almost the archetypal Roman, but him individually isn't, he's not, he barely laughs in the film. Do you know what I mean? And he barely, <laughs> like there's the bit when, <clears throat> uh, when the, the, the German tastes his food and he pretends to be choking and dying because it's poisoned. And, you know, they all start having a big laugh and Maximus just goes, <laughs> yeah, you're funny, aren't you? Where it's like, that's a genuinely <laughs> funny moment, you know? So, yeah, so that maybe you might not liked that and found that not very engaging, but that might be something that you might have, you might know, only notice now that I've said it because you're like, oh yeah, maybe if I watched it again, I wouldn't find him that interesting. But you're, you're engaged by his story. His, his story, you know, his story is very interesting, I find. And that's about it, really. I think I, I hope you enjoyed this film. I hope you can see why I liked it. But you might have been bored because you might have been like, oh, too much action. Not Characters aren't amazing. You know, that sort of stuff. But, yeah. Cool. Shall we find out? Yeah, I'm looking forward to finding out, frankly. Uh, join us after the break. Because, you know, you're listening to the podcast. You carry on playing, if you like. Uh, and we'll uh, find out if Sam uh, likes Gladiator. So we're all on tender hooks to find out what uh, Sam thinks of Gladiator. So Sam, tell me what you liked about 2000's Gladiator. Gladiator. Uh, there's lots of things I liked about it. Um, it is a good mythic big drama story. You know, it's uh, like we said, it's thefts, war-to-war thefts, and it's, you know, it has these Shakespearean ambitions, at least, in terms of, you know, kings and paupers and struggles and uh, ambition and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I do think, yeah, it does, definitely. And I do think Russell Crowe plays that macho, stoic, slightly ironic Maximus uh, quite quite well as well, you know, and he's, he's kind of believable in that role, kind of all-action hero sort of thing. And, and I really like a revenge tale. Um, my favourite novel remains The Star's Tennis Balls, which is a... Stephen Fry's modern retelling of the Count of Monte Cristo, uh, which is the US version of his book, is called Revenge, um, and it is a really good revenge tale. And uh, when I went to read Count of Monte Cristo, so Stars Tennis Balls is about four hundred pages long. Count, Count of Monte Cristo is about a thousand pages long, and it's about a man who gets wrongfully imprisoned and then escapes and goes about getting his revenge. He escapes on about page hundred and eighty, <laughs> and it's like eight hundred pages of revenge on each of the four or five people that wronged him and so I do love a good revenge tale you know there's there's I've mentioned before that in screenwriting you're supposed to give your protagonist a, a want or a need that is um visceral and uh base you know it's a it's a universal thing and you, you know revenge is something that probably everybody can can relate to for, especially for something so horrible 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, like you said, it's got political intrigue. I thought it was really interesting about Rome as an idea and what that means. You know, it's not a stupid action movie that's just about action. It's actually got a, a, a point and a discussion to be had. Obviously, there's kind of clear heroes and villains, but nevertheless, Commodus makes some good points about it. You know, they call him Commodus, like a <laughs> either like Mark Kermode or a commode, like a toilet. I'll go for the toilet one. Um, and what was really interesting is, you know, you get this sense of warfare and all this all this sort of Colosseum-y bollocks as being these illusions and traditions to, to kind of keep people in place. And I thought, um, not to jump on things I didn't like, but it did seem like a missed opportunity, although it wouldn't have been as cathartic as a film. Um, Maximus obviously has this belief in the afterlife that... Um, keeps him going I suppose you know the idea that he'll meet them there but not yeah. yet that is that is something that could have been part of the discussion of, of what are the traditions and the illusions of the the workers and the warriors to keep them doing to keep them going basically and obviously for warriors it's you know the idea that you might end up in an afterlife and it's it's not that you're yeah. going to just die a bloody death and that's it you're going to die a warrior's death and it's quite clearly a way to manipulate people into giving their lives up for something but it would yeah. have been the, the obviously the spoiler 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 alert the, the kind of the catharsis of the scene is of the, the film is that he he does get his afterlife you know unless you see that as a dream sequence or whatever but he, you know he does it's 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 in camera it's real like he's in the afterlife and it would have been a bit shit if it was like, uh, no, um, you know, screw you, atheists are right. He doesn't have an afterlife, and he's just dead now. You know, <laughs> it would have been slightly less, um, slightly less satisfying as an ending. So probably a good thing that they didn't get into that, but just an interesting one. And it sort of embodies that Game of Thrones line: that the common people pray for rain, healthy children, and a summer that never ends. It is no matter to them if the High Lords play their Game of Thrones, so long as they are left in peace. They never are. Uh, and I thought. Oh, this is really reductive, but I did think this is kind of a Game of Thronesy type thing in film form, and I might just be saying that because I'm not because I haven't seen a great deal of uh, sword actiony historical sword and sandals, fantasy stuff. That, sword and sandals, yeah. You know, like yeah. there's a, there's a quite a good tweet. It's um, uh, a guy who whose only film he's ever seen is Boss Baby and he sees a new film and he's going hmm yeah I'm getting a real sense of a real boss baby sense about this film you know the idea that if you've seen one if you've seen one fantasy film if you've seen Lord of the Rings and you watch another fantasy film you're like yeah. oh this is very Lord of the Ringsy because you've only seen that other one but yeah, having yeah. said that there were there was some Game of Thronesy stuff to it you know in terms of well it's uh, you know, about I mean it is about power isn't it and it's, it's about, about power strength and, and honour yeah yeah. those political games Gracchus and the like they are sort of these uh, you know there's, there are those parallels but I'm probably just saying that as somebody who's a bit reductive um, yeah I mean Gracchus gets that great line doesn't he where he goes oh I don't pretend to be a man of the people but I am a man who speaks for the people yeah 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 and, and you know in, in a, any other film he would be a, a villain or you know he would be one of the villains because he's basically like Polonius in Hamlet, or he's you know he's one of these like maybe Littlefinger or Varys or something in Game of Thrones, somebody you actually can't trust, but he just ends up being the the good guy that you can trust because it's Derek Jacobi or something like that. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's it is in, yeah he's he's reticent, isn't he, yeah. to like reveal himself, but 
at the same time when Maximus because he questions Maximus and he's like, when he's like when you've got all this power what are you going to do and he's and he goes I'll give it back you'll just give it back will you yeah and he's he almost doesn't believe him but yeah that's right and he and he takes him uh, it takes the people who do trust Maximus to convince him that he can be trusted and I suppose that takes me to what I didn't like and you know the the key one was the, the one that you identified which is that mm. Maximus is. You know, as a, as a macho wank fantasy goes, he's pretty good. He's like, oh, the, you know, the macho alphas in the audience think they're Maximus. But he's not a very interesting character, aside from, from being perfect, you know. he's uh, He does seem a bit of a Mary Sue, doesn't he? Yeah, like, yeah. Like my, something that <laughs> Which is really funny, funny to say that about uh, Maximus Decimus Meridius, but he is, yeah, he really is. Something that struck me about um, the film when I was watching it yesterday... Was which doesn't quite make sense is so when he's fighting in Germania and um, you know he's having this bloody battle and it's and it's really and you know he gets knocked off his horse and he's on the ground and he's fight you know he's clearly fighting for his life and it all looks really difficult but then when he's in the the coliseums that he's in the arenas that he's in are you telling me these warriors in Germania <laughs> which probably most of them are just they're probably just like farmers. Local <laughs> you know farmers I mean? with, with yeah. access, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a more, like, a better trained and a more, you know, a better at killing. More than, of a match for the, him. Yeah. The, yeah, more of a match than the gladiators who literally are trained to be fighters. It, yeah. It, it probably, it's such a nitpick and it's such a silly nitpick because it would, it, it would be like, complete off it would be the total other way around but no but it is it is the, it's it's the a, big it's problem observation. your protagonist really is supposed to have flaws unless they are somebody who rubs off on everyone and makes everyone good and I don't think that's what they're going for here he's just he's not flawed he's not even like you know he doesn't it's not even like that he cheats on his wife do you know who he's like I've got a great like I've got a great comparison for who he is like he's a bit like Batman a lot of people say the problem with Batman is he needs these sort of Joker-esque characters to get him to do interesting things because <laughs> he's he's not inherently interesting because he's you know he is a, a genius level IQ and all this and he's all these yeah true you know, he's very staunch and moral and I suppose yeah there isn't there's not many flaws to him is there he's, you know what's interesting though that that sort of boring nature to his character I did find that interesting because I, I, at first I thought this is a flaw that the, the film talks so much about the Republic and what it stands for and what Rome stands for and what it means and that really Maximus as a protagonist should have an interest in that but he doesn't he's just following Marcus Aurelius's orders actually he does he's this um He's one of the uh, the common people who just wants to harvest and healthy children and, and wife and things. You know, he's actually one of those common people for whom the the sort of state of Rome will affect his life, and he doesn't want it to. If that makes sense, you know, he, he we talked about passive nihilists in the past. Uh, I think for he has an abstract idea of what Rome is, doesn't he? Because he yeah. calls it he calls it the. You know, I've seen much of the rest of the world, and Rome is the light. But then Marcus Aurelius says, yeah, "But yet you have not been." <laughs> yeah, and I always thought that I always found that a bit incongruent when I watched the film. First of all, it's like, how can somebody say this about Rome when they've never actually been to Rome? It, I mean, we we haven't really lived in a context where where Rome, you know, where 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 we're part of isn't actually where we are. If that makes sense, you know, we're not part of a, an empire, and actually the the seat of the empire is elsewhere 
Yeah. So maybe you would think that in the same way that you know Americans Perhaps. think that every other country is uh, has no freedoms or whatever. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you yeah. you get locked up in jail for saying stuff about the government if you're in Denmark. No. <laughs> no. In Denmark. Yeah. Just, your propaganda yeah. machine has told you that. <laughs> the, the, the land the, the restricted speech restricted Denmark. Yeah. So yeah, I get I, I think that's I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask now. Is that is that the only criticism then of the film that Marcus is a bit? Sorry, Maximus. Marcus, you keep saying Marcus. Yeah, no, yeah. that's a, that was the one that first occurred to me. The one that I have to, you know, like with a comedy, uh, you can appreciate it, but if you don't laugh, it's not a very good comedy. Yeah, for you, you know. Um, I think that for me, the proof was in the pudding with this film, where I didn't feel much about anything. You know, like okay. when when characters died, I didn't really care that much. When again, spoiler alert: Maximus dies. I'm supposed to feel something there, and I didn't. And there was something, there was something wrong with that scene, and I don't know what it was. I don't know if it just came out of. It definitely didn't come out of nowhere, or I don't know what. But there was something wrong there where I didn't care that he died, and it's either because. There is this afterlife, and actually, it's a good thing. But I didn't feel this. I just didn't feel a swelling of emotion uh, about it at all. Uh, really, you did get emotional when she's like telling him to go to his family. She's like, "Go to them." I, I was a bit teary-eyed at that bit. Well, that was emotional. it. I, you know, maybe I was just tired or something. Um, but I just didn't. Yeah, I didn't really feel anything. The bits where I did feel, I, my blood boiled when. Um, Commodus is saying about how is they tell me your son, uh, you know, scream like a girl. Oh, like yeah. that bit, I yeah, them to the cross. I yeah. nearly punched the telly to get to get at him. So I did. My blood did boil there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's a shit, isn't he? Commodus, <laughs> he is a shit, and, and, and he's an interesting character. I mean, it's almost laid on too thick. Some things are supposed to be subtext, but actually, you just told, and he tells you, and everyone else tells you. He's doing this because he wants to be loved and respected. I mean, maybe, maybe it's a. It could have been done a bit more subtly, so that I had to like get it from subtext rather than it's just a bit. Yeah, it's just a bit, bit laid out for you. That fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, he's an. Inter- I think he's an interesting character because, you know, he's basically snubbed, isn't he, by his father? And it's just that it's just that those things are said to people in the you know a scene is less interesting if someone says you know what your problem is protagonist you prioritise <laughs> your job over yourself <laughs> you know at the start of a film yeah, but in fairness to communists he says to he somebody doesn't tell him what he is he says oh you sent me that letter with all those virtues and I realise I had none of these but I haven't but he goes but I have my own uh, yeah you know, and again th- that's, I really like that bit it's interesting it's, but it's just a it's, I don't think it's the way to do it. I don't think a character should ever... You know, that, that's what subtext is for, isn't it? Because people generally don't say, well, I'm like this, but I'm not like that. So this sets up this sets up my arc in this film, you know? It's a little bit... It's just a little bit on the nose, I suppose, or it's just a bit, uh, a bit laid out fair, like that. But enough. he is an interesting character in his motivations. It's just the way in which that's communicated is just a bit kind of... Maybe it's like... So it doesn't go over anyone's head. This is it. And mm. if it was a, te- if it was like a seven-season HBO forty-minute drama, we would see that more subtly. 
progress rather than you have to tell the audience because there's a lot of characters and a lot of stuff going on we have yeah. to do it as efficiently as possible yeah what about uh, Oliver Reed then and um, and Richard Harris I, I mean I love the two of them I love Oliver Reed I've not seen him in many things but <laughs> the reason why I love him was this uh, little acting um, lesson that he gave to an idiot I might, have, I might have sent it to you before I'm not sure you, you mentioned it last week I don't think I'd have mentioned it last week because I haven't thought about it for a while. I, I did mention it in the past though, and he's he's giving like a little one-on-one acting lesson with a guy who wants to play a villain, a Russian villain in a in a some film or a play or something like that. And he's giving him advice, and he's so charming and funny and uh, and smart. I'll, I'll link it on the socials. Uh, he is really good in that, and he's great in this. Again, I've not seen him in many films. I've seen seen him in Oliver. Seen him in, gosh, what have I seen him in? I don't know. What have you seen Oliver? He plays Bill Sykes. Um, Literally, I think just this that I can that I know of off the top of my head. Might have seen him in other things and not realised it was him, sort of thing. Possibly, yeah. Because really, growing up, he was the drunk guy who's on um, talk shows. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I I really don't know what else I've seen him in. I mean, I must have seen. Uh, was he in Tango in Paris? No, that was Brando, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm not sure, I'm not sure, but I, I do really like him. Richard Harris, again, I've seen him very few things, must have first Dumbledore. seen him in Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I really liked him in interviews. He's a, he's a proper, like, uh, what's that word, raconteur, or like a yeah. bon vivant, or basically a drunk. <laughs> you know, he's, I think the story's about, you know, he'll go out for the paper and then come back four days later. <laughs> Having had oh, an gosh. amazing weekend with Peter O'Toole or whatever, <laughs> and Richard yeah, Burton. Him, yeah, him, Peter O'Toole, and Richard Burton seemed to have a whale of a time, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they must have fucking yeah, they pack like pigs in shit. Them three just <laughs> <laughs> what a life they were. But yeah, I love the contrast between these two sort of elderly figures in Maximus's life. You know, he's you know when he's the general, he's got the the wise and all knowing you know, philosopher king Marcus Aurelius, but when he's the gladiator he's got the he's got the the street smart and mm. you know, sort of um yeah, streetwise sort of gladiator guy. Do you know it's hard to yeah, Proximo's such an interesting character, you know, like I'll, there's a gr- the great line where he's like, So we'll have bloody adventures and when enough men have died you <laughs> you may win your freedom or whatever. And the great you know? whore will suckle us until we're fat yeah, and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And he's you know, he's very he's very clear in his motivations that he's just there to get rich and yeah. that's and you know, he he even says, Oh, is there a danger of you becoming a good man Proximo? It's like, ah, never And, and that he, is a that is a noble sacrifice isn't it yeah 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 Proximo's great in this uh, he's one of my favourite he's him and Joaquin Phoenix are probably the two standout sort of well you know characters I, in this film I do really like Joaquin Phoenix especially in Joker and the Master when I re-watched parts of this film today he, he came across as quite amateurish from his acting but I don't know if he's just been a childish character or just a little bit too arch or something in his in his line delivery there was something a little bit off yeah, I mean, it's hard to have people who are talking about these sort of the things they talk about to sound natural. I think that is a problem with this film: is the dialogue perhaps yeah. doesn't sound natural from anyone. It's, it's all, and it's and it's really. Uh, I've mentioned this before when we did Anonymous, and you know, obviously, I'm, I don't want to compare this film with Anonymous, but it, it has that same flaw of too much formality 
in and archness between characters in like you say people going into rooms and talking about stuff you know and saying uh lord senator uh, blah, blah 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 you know like prepare a feast <laughs> you know that sort of stuff yeah. whereas game <laughs> of thrones nails the balance because they do they are a bit bawdy and they do say funny, witty things as well. There's not as much wit in the film as I'd like, but there are a lot of great lines. There's just not as much... Like you said, you know, Maximus barely cracks a smile, which is fair enough, obviously, what he's been through, but, but, but there could be... I just... I don't know. There's just a little bit of wit missing or something like that. Every, everything's a bit too... Yeah. Serious. And it is a drama. It, you know, it is serious it is issues. Drama, yeah. It's just that, like... As as Proximus said, well, I think it's Proximus says something like, you know, uh, death smiles at every man, and best you can do is smile back. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not Proximus. Who says um, it? It's Max Aurelius. That's oh, is it? Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, death smiles at us all. But, all but there's not enough. Back. But there's not enough Mark, people doing Maximus that. And then Proximus says it to Commodus, doesn't he? At the ah, end. that's what it is. That's the, then, but there's not enough people doing that, like having a stoic, gallows humour about things. No, that's that's fair enough, and there is a lot of things about duty and honor and strength and honor. Yeah, again, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a macho wank fantasy. This film. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I never thought of it. I've, 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 I never put it into those terms. I guess. But, <laughs> but then, I, I yeah, like I said, like I said already, I just think it's a great film. Well, it's you're just, a macho wanker, of course. Uh, thank um, you. I'm to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and it's yeah. I like the fact you know it won all. It won. Best Picture, Russell Crowe won Best Acting Oscar. Probably not deserved for this film, I would say. But, <laughs> you know, it's it, he doesn't do have to do much in this. He just stands there and looks stoic. You know, yeah, the old he, Joey. If you want to look upset, <laughs> like the smell the fart in the room, he does a lot of that, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. There's a bit of smell the fart acting, and he's he's good in it. You know, but yeah, yeah. But that's it. He's there's there's nothing wrong with what he does in this film. It's just. They just haven't given him a ton of character to play with, no. so he's so he's he's good when he has to be, and he's you know he's he, you know he's like when I'm required to kill, I kill, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's what it. he does. You yeah. know how like in the last, but he's season very believable, of, isn't he? I'm, he is. Sorry, and, and, and he's, he's at least coherent and consistent. Yeah, you yeah, know, like in the, in his the character season, isn't all over the place, is he? In the last season of Game of Thrones, um, Jon Snow becomes incredibly boring because it's all about honour and uh, she's our queen, she's our queen, she's my queen. I don't want to do this, she's my queen. Um, because that's inconsistent with what he's been up to until then, I suppose. Whereas, yeah, like you say, Lisa Maximus is uh, more interesting than that. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, I would say if, if I was to do a comparison with Game of Thrones, if you can have somebody who's character who's inconsistent in that show, it's definitely Tyrion's by the end, isn't oh, it? Oh, God. And and Varys. Basically all the smart characters, when when the smart writers weren't in the room. Well, uh, well <laughs> when the, the, the source material dried up, yeah. I thought I'd look uh, into um, who he was up against for Best Actor, by the way. Um, oh, go on. He was up against Javier Bardem for Before Night Falls. Up against Same. Tom Hanks for Castaway. Good performance, but you know my uh, uh, my dad, who sometimes listens to this, said that he doesn't really like Tom Hanks because he only ever plays Tom Hanks. <laughs> Fair. Um, Ed Harris as Pollock in in sorry in Pollock as Jackson Pollock. Not a performance. Uh, I, have, I, have, I, have seen that, I have seen that film, and he, they're very similar performances, Crows and, and um, Ed Harris's, because they both play quite stoic men. 
But and Jackson Pollock was an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeffrey Rush plays the Marquis de Sade in the film Quills. You Not don't hear about either. any of those films anymore apart from Castaway. That's quite interesting. What? So there was only four nominees? And Russell Crowe. Oh, and Russell Crowe, so five. Look, yeah. not many people nominated. And then yeah. best, best picture, they were up against Chocola, Crouching Tiger, Aaron Brockovich, and Traffic. For anyone who's They're interested. actually all good films. It's, it was a solid year that year, I would say. Well, yeah, and, and Steven Soderbergh won the best director for Traffic um, against yeah, Ridley Scott, who uh, didn't win it for Gladiator. Has he ever won it for anything, Ridley Scott? Very good question. I'm going to Google that and uh, sound authoritative. <laughs> Do you want to get us into lines and scenes, etc.? Do it. I do think because it spoke to something of interest um, in this film, it's the scene where Marcus Aurelius is telling Maximus about his plan because he's questioning right. his legacy. Essentially, and I thought it was oh, interesting. That's a good scene, isn't it? It's very important for the film. Obviously, it sets up everything. And I also realised I don't know what Marcus Aurelius' legacy is. Is he known as for good or bad? Um, he's known as the like the philosopher emperor because he um, he wrote a, a he wrote down like some philosophical musings he had uh, during his lifetime, um, which are they're great. Some of them. Um, they're worth a read I might read some out at the end of the episode or something um, oh, I can't remember the name of them what there's a name for them crikey I should know this yeah he's <laughs> kind of, but that's that's basically what he's known as um, you know he talks about um, you know peace and he's only had he's only had three years of peace um, which is yeah pretty that was not so much yeah that's maybe a lie in the film where he's like oh you know, what have I done? You know, expanded the borders, you know, all for the glory of the empire. But he, um, I don't know, he, he didn't, it's, he didn't really, basically after, um, not Hadrian, there was another emperor. The, I can't, what was the emperor before Hadrian? This is, this is going to annoy me now. I'm going to have to double, quickly double check Trajan. So the, that was the listener it. is right now listening to two guys Googling, <laughs> Googling trying, stuff. Trying yeah, so, um, so he's never won an Oscar unless he won something since The Martian. Uh, Ridley Scott's never won an Oscar. The me- Meditations. Anyone knew that. Yeah, that <laughs> meditations is what Marx really wrote. So yeah, he's more known for... He's basically known as the, the philosopher emperor and the one who kind of messed up by having Commodus as his successor. I mean, he was so successful at being emperor that he was the only one, like I mentioned the five good emperors earlier, was the reason they were all successful was because none of them succeeded their biological father. Right. They were all adopted into the family, uh, essentially. So, uh, yeah, he uh, Marx Reilly was the only one who had a, a, a legitimate male heir. And Commodus turned out to be the worst. <laughs> so, but yeah, he's known for that, for the meditations, uh, and for um, for being the father of Commodus, basically. Right. And yeah, the wars that he's fighting during this film are known as the Marco Mani Wars. So, Marcus Aurelius and the Marco or the Marco Mani. I think either the wars named after him or the tribe they were fighting were called the Marco Mani. I can't remember something like that. Uh, but, extraneous detail uh, what was your favourite scene 
So my favourite scene of this film is the bit when he reveals that he's Maximus to Commodus. Yeah. It is just so I did so think good. that's that's very much... And this isn't a criticism by any means, it's just a difference in our taste. I did think that is the scene that you'd like, because that's the poster scene, isn't it? That's the scene. But it's the most dramatic moment of the film, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Again, not a criticism, just just a difference it, in, in how I view it. Yeah. It's just... It just it's the most impactful... Obviously, it was the one. Like there was no, it was never going to be anything else. I couldn't, you know. When I was thinking, I really like the scene that we mentioned earlier when, you know, um, Marcus Aurelius tells when he tells Commodus that he's not going to be emperor, mm. and yeah, you know, he gets smothered. Yeah, he gets smothered, and he's, you know, he's, you know, saying he's a bad father and all this stuff, and you know, he's trying to appease Commodus, but. It's you know like you said, Commodus is murderous. Um, yeah, that those two were the standout scenes for me. But I do like the one, you know, where like Max Aurelius is always going, "Let's just talk as men, yeah. father and father and daughter." I love the line um, to get into the next bit. It's not my favorite line, but when he says to Lucilla, he goes, "You know what, a Caesar, you would have been. Uh, would you have, you know, would you have been just though? <laughs> you know, yeah. she would have but would you have been just?" Yeah, oh, if only you'd been born a man, what a Caesar you would have made. I w- uh, you know, I wonder if you would have been just. Yeah, that's what he says basically. Good line. Good line. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So, uh, what's your favorite line of this uh, particular film, Sam? Uh, there's a there are a lot. There are a lot. So you know, uh, there's a couple of really short ones. So you know, we mortals are but shadows and dust is a really poetic yeah. way of putting it. Uh, again, another short one. When Quintus and Maximus is talking, people should know when they're conquered. And Maximus says, "Would you, Quintus?" Would I? You know, I thought yeah. that was really good. Um, slightly longer, but still a really good one, and one that I did I did feel a feeling about when he's giving uh, right at the tar- uh, at the start when Maximus is talking to his um, legions. Uh, if you find yourself alone riding in green fields with the sun on your face, do not be troubled, for you are in Elysium and you are already dead. And he got a great yeah. laugh. That's yeah. the that's the gallows humor that I wanted more of actually later on. Right, I see. Yeah, it is a bit. It is quite a humorless film. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, but it's it's a good. It's dramatic. It's exciting. It's, yeah, it's, it's insane. Quite <laughs> honestly. Um, yeah, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. That whole little speech that he gives now, um, and he, I'm not going to do it in the voice though. <laughs> do, do the voice. Do the voice. No, I'm not going to do the voice. Can't, I've clearly been told I can't do the voice. He goes, My I name think is give Max it. Give it another go. Give it another go. Go on. My name is Maximus Decimus Verudius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix Legion, and a loyal servant of the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Very good. Such yeah. a great line. Or lines. I just, it's just so good. Um, but yeah, I've got a paraply of lines here. I've got, you know, my signal unleash hell. That's yeah. a great line. Um, are you not entertained? Yeah, you know, he's really good. angry at the crowd. Um, Commodus has a great line where he goes, the general became a slave, the slave who became a gladiator, the gladiator who defied a, an emperor. I think that's on the that was on the poster. Mm, that sounds like a tagline, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, the one you did, we mortals are but shadows and dust, shadows and dust, Maximus. Um, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Yeah, that's great nice. line. Um, and then... That that follows the, the Elysium line, that. Yeah, yeah. And then the one at the end where he's like, and now we are free, I will see you again, but not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, yet. That is quite... that, again, Game of Thrones, that's like, what do we say to death? 
Not today. Not to today, yeah. yeah. It's weird that you can conflate this with Game of Thrones, actually. It's kind of... I suppose it's got that... I suppose it is a... It's because it's about... It's a sort of trangles, yeah. Yeah. But again, different. that's that's just medium reductive, I think. I, I don't think that's legitimate <laughs> comparison. Yeah, I just, just, lo- just love that, that that line, though. You know, we are but shadows and dust. I think I've been thinking about that for about 20 years. <laughs> Especially because well, it's such a theme, you know, there's a, the Proxima, when he gets first gets the slaves, is is wonderful, you know. In the next three days, what is it? You'll I'll, you'll get to know me more than that whore who, uh, who delivered you. Screaming into this world, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, yeah, it's it um, I've not paid you for your uh, work or whatever, or paid you for your life, I've paid you for your paid for your death or yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. I've not paid you for your company. I've paid you. I've paid to. I've paid to for your for death. You to die to me. Die for me or something. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's a, a great character. Even though he's a slave owner <laughs> who gets yeah. them to die, you know, like kill each other to death. Um, he uh, he's actually quite a likable character. Yeah, there's the great bit was when he's. Um, you know, in that speech where he's like, and you'll hear this sound, and he's just clapping, slow clapping as you, as you die. Uh, Favourite shot then, Sam? Uh, it's the opening shot, the hands over the wheat field. Um, yeah, that's Because it's a very well. influential one. It's clearly what Marvel used for Thanos um, when he's delivered on his promise, and I've, I yeah. must have seen it in ten different films since this. Yeah, it's a great it's a great shot, isn't it? It's just so evocative. I also quite like the one when he opens the door, you know, to the to the garden at the, oh, yeah. the meat field. That's yeah. always I've always I always liked that in the film because it's a it's a motif that kind of runs through it a few times and then he finally goes through when he dies. Yeah, yeah. But, um, there's other couple of good shots though, isn't there? There's um, you know the sequence when they go into the Colosseum for the first time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got that like 360 as they like look around at the the scale of the arena. I quite like that bit. But yeah, right, so we're going to have a quick break and then when we come back we're going to do the critics, your rating and the quiz and find out what's going to be on next week's episode. So yeah, join us after the break. Hello and welcome back to the final part of this week's episode, part three. So Sam... What would you think, Roger Ebert, our friend and uh, master of reviewing art, what do you think he gave this film? Four. Out of four. So you think Roger Ebert... give it four out of four I do well turns out Ebert wasn't the biggest fan of this film Ooh. he gave it two out two out of four stars which That's is piss poor isn't it yeah uh, so he basically goes to say a foolish choice in art direction casts a pal over Ridley Scott's gladiator that no swordplay can cut through the film looks muddy fuzzy and indistinctive its colours are mud tones at the drab end of the palette, and it seems to have filmed on a grim. They seem to, sorry, they seem to have been filmed on grim and overcast days. The darkness and the lack of detail in the long shots helps obscure shabby special effects. The Colosseum in Rome looks like a model from a computer game, and the. I, ca- I thought that. I, I, I was. I'm surprised they thought that back in 2000. Yeah, sorry. I, didn't think, I didn't think they were that bad. I still think they hold up pretty well, but it looked like something I made in Pro Desktop. 
2000. <laughs> I think the only one that I thought was a bit dodgy is they've got like these pillars in the Colosseum and they've just got no texture on them, yeah. which makes them look like giant dildos, essentially. <laughs> um, and the characters bring no cheer. They're bitter, vengeful, depressed. By the end of this long film, I would have traded any given gladiatorial victory for just one shot of blue skies there are blue <laughs> skies in the hero's dreams of a long ago happiness happiness but that proves the point the storyline is rocky on downers <laughs> he goes on and says a bit more he says but gladiator lacks joy it employs depression as a substitute for personality and believes <laughs> that if the characters are bitter and morose enough we won't notice how dull they are so yeah two stars do, do you know as always with Rog I don't disagree with that no, I can see his point, but at the yeah. same time, I think he's wrong. <laughs> I think the tr- I get where he's going. I, he, d- he clearly doesn't like the cinematography and the art direction of this film. Which... But he also makes a couple of points we made, which is, you know, it's not a very joyous film. No. Uh, I mean, Maximus in particular is not an interesting character. He's just a bit too perfect. He is. He's, he, but then sometimes in a film, there's nothing wrong with a character being a lead character being stoic and you know sphinx like sometimes it yeah. works because other people can do things around him you know I, I i quite like the dynamic in this film between him and lucilla you know she's still she clearly hasn't quite gotten over him but he has gotten over her to a point i found her quite sense. hard to read actually quite hard to understand i di- i don't know if it was a perform- i think it was maybe a performance thing maybe a bit maybe a bit um I don't know, hard edges or something. You know, there's, there wasn't the subtlety of, there wasn't any subtlety. I think. Obviously, she's protecting a child for the most part, but yeah, yeah. I didn't fully understood what motivated her beside that, or well, it's what she was, or rather, who she is as a character beside that. Yeah, fair. Well, she's a, a mother, isn't she? Who's which I think is a problem, isn't it? It's you know, it's the tenet problem of this character is defined as a mother. Yeah, she wasn't a bad thing in that film. She was very specific, but I, I yeah I can understand it. But it's I suppose it's an easiest easy stereotype to pigeonhole a character into, isn't it? But that's I think that's the fault of the film. Like you wouldn't pigeonhole um, Cersei Lannister like that as oh she's a mother who cares about her children. <laughs> you know, there's more. Yeah, to but Cersei Lannister has a hundred hours. Or something, yeah, hundred hours, but she more has to work with. You know, forty fifty. You know, she's had. There's a you know at least three four hours of character development if you add yeah, it all together. Yeah, I just I just I just because she was on screen quite a lot in this film, I felt like there was something more, and I do think it's maybe the performance. Fair enough. That's 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 fine. Mm. Um, Peter Bradshaw, although this was at this time when they weren't giving stars out in the Guardian, but he was a bit more. He enjoyed it a bit more. He says, uh, "What finally has to be said is that for all its implausible silliness and towering high camp, Scott movie tells an engaging story, and the central arena fight sequence in which Maximus and his gladiators." playing the doomed Carthaginians end up defeating the Romans and reversing history to the Emperor's horror is uh, wittily and adroitly done. A sly demonstration of the confluence of politics and mass entertainment. You'll oh, find... bloody hell, that's a bit of a spoiler in a review, isn't it? Isn't it? A little bit. You'll find your <laughs> thumbs tilting upwards. And when you find out Bruce Willis was a ghost all along, whew, you'll, you'll enjoy this film. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be spooky for you. Yeah, might have to read his review of uh, The Sixth Sense if, he's, if he did one. Yeah, but he, he his, review, um, his review made an interesting point 
early on, he was talking about some of the camp sort of, maybe not, <laughs> he didn't call it a masculine wank fest or whatever he called it, <laughs> but he was, he was very aware of that. But he also said he made an, he made um, an illusion and a comparison with, I think, uh, Ben-Hur basically was, when that was being made, there was, the, the filmmakers were having struggles with writing the film and getting it right and they brought in I can't remember the name of the, the, the screenwriter but they brought somebody in to have a look at it basically to try and fix it and um, the guy basically went well when this Roman sits down at the end of a hard day what does he unbuckle first <laughs> uh, and yeah the, the question is you know to get into the mind of the characters here what you know what is their daily routine I suppose you know, there's no like, there's no insight into the life of these people. Yeah. They're just people who are just thrust into these situations and are just dealing with it. And I think understand. if it's done skillfully enough, you don't have to be shown what they do, but you, sh- but you understand there's life to those characters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like in this, I feel like there's life in Proximo the yeah. most. Yeah. Yeah. Where definitely. you can be like, well, I can tell you what he he probably shoves off his sandals first. Buckles <laughs> his belt. Puts his feet in some water. Yeah. Um, But, as always, the most important rating of any of our films, Mm. essentially, is uh, your rating, Sam. Um, How many knives in the Caesar out of ten would you give? Too brutal. I I find it hard to give this a rating, and it feels harsh, but my my heart says seven out of ten. I think that's a harsh rating. Yeah, because I because I because you said it's one of your yes. favorite films, and I definitely can understand that. I can definitely understand why it's a classic. I can understand why people love it, but it did make me feel very th- strong feelings in dramatic moments, and it's it does have the flaws that we've outlined. So yeah, seven out of ten. Do you but think it, it is a dramatic film though? Do you think it, it succeeds in its premise of being a sort of big dramatic? Political drama, action, intrigue film. Yeah, but it, it but but <laughs> but it, I think it needs. I think it's a bit too earnest. Yeah. Uh, to to really charm me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I was hoping you would love it. I thought you might be really gripped by the drama of it more than anything. But uh, I suppose a seven out of ten is not the worst to give it. I, I mean, it's a film that does aim high, doesn't it? Let's face it. It doesn't. You know, we always say judge a film on its own merits rather than by other films, so to speak. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, if you know a film that's aiming, you know, it talks about you know shadows and dust and echoes and eternity, and it is a bit, yeah, like you said, a bit earnest and a bit, you know, does mothers know you're wearing the drapes? Tony Stark is an Iron Man. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's got that kind of Shakespearean element to it, and yeah, maybe it just didn't quite hit the mark for yourself. It did for me personally. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, Maybe got you the right age. I do think it's it it's another film age, that shows the difference in our tastes, in yeah. you know, and I think that's perfectly fine. It's you know, both are valid, of course. Right. Even so. though, even though I have better taste. Okay. And there we go. Ninety-two episodes, but we got that. Yeah, I have better but taste. The, the Academy agrees with me, though. It would. Say. <laughs> you know, but Roger thing. Ebert agrees with me. So. <laughs> 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 I see. You probably liked it more than Ebert. It was, sure. I was surprised. <laughs> I thought he would have liked this film. Actually. Yeah. Me too. Oh. 
Um, so after the success of the last quiz I did, where I asked you when we did our Stargate episode, was <laughs> it an Egyptian god or not? Oh, instead gosh. of doing questions about the film, because yeah, the film's the film. You you know we do this, we do those quizzes every week. <laughs> um, I've got a next. I've got a better quiz for you. I've got uh, were were they Roman emperor or not? For a quiz <laughs> okay. for you. So see if you can guess the right All ones right. here. Uh, or you might know some of them. Who knows? Um, so yeah. So this is. So there was about. Oh, it's a hard figure to pin down because sometimes there was co-emperors and things like this, or people who never oh, triumvirates, indeed. Uh, that, yes, but that wasn't before. That was before there was emperors. Uh, There's two of them, um, and yeah. So with this, it's. I think it was about about. 86 maybe 90 people a Roman emperor in the between okay. between the periods uh, up until 476 and then there was obviously some eastern Roman emperors but they were basically Byzantine emperors as we would call them today so they don't really count as Roman emperors take but it yeah, away so, so we'll start with an easy one here for you question one Julius Caesar <laughs> oh, were there or were they not emperors? Is the question. Yeah, it was Julius Caesar. <laughs> well, I mean, I know that the tr- there was a triumvirate of Mark Antony, Octavius Caesar, and uh, a third that was just after Julius Caesar or just before. So if that doesn't count, then I'll say no, Julius Caesar was not emperor. You're correct. Well hey. done. Your logic was completely shit, <laughs> but you, you guessed the right. I thought I might catch you out with that one, and I did mention that his successor was the first Roman emperor. Mm. Um, so yeah, first triumvirate that was Julius Caesar, Mark Antony, and um, Marcus Crassus. Okay. And then the second triumvirate was Octavian, uh, Marcus Lepidus, and uh, oh, sorry, no, apologies, no. Mark Antony was in the second triumvirate. It was Mark Antony, uh, Octavian, and Lepidus. And the first one was... Lepidus is the name I can't remember. Yeah, he's, nobody cares for Lepidus. He was, <laughs> wasn't really... He wasn't really... He wasn't like... In the first triumvirate, it was Marcus Crassus, Caesar, and um, Pompey the Great, and... Or Pompey Magnus, whatever you want to call him. But yeah, those th- and those three all were quite... Like militarily, Caesar and Pompey were like probably better than Crassus, but Crassus was the richest man in Rome right. at the time, so that's why he—that's how he got his way into it. And then, yeah, so yeah, you got that right. Yeah, well done. I was surprised you got that one. Uh, question two then: Was this man Roman emperor or not? Uh, hero of Syracuse or Hiero? Ooh, Hiero uh, of Syracuse. Do you know where Syracuse is? Have you heard of Syracuse? I've only heard of it in the American univer- right. in the American town sense. Yeah, there's a Syracuse in there in New York, but it's actually in a, New York. Yeah. There's a real. The, it's a, there's I, a, I don't know anything Syracuse. about it. I've, I'm, I can't. I can't get a ha- handle on this, so I'm just going to go. Yes, he was an emperor. Oh, you would no. I'm afraid uh, not. No, Hero, Hiero of Syracuse was the king of uh, the city of Syracuse in right. uh, Sicily. On the, he was a friend of the Romans, and then when he died, they went down and I think I think that's where Archimedes was right. when he died. I could be wrong on that one though. I'd have to double double check for you. Okay, question three. So fifty percent so far. Uh, was Thrax a Roman emperor or not? 
Uh, no, that's the bad guy in Inspector Spacetime in um, Community. So, <laughs> oh, <is it> really? <laughs> I know it's Thoraxis actually. Thinking about was it, it Thoraxis. Um, I'll say yes. It was an Emperor because the first two weren't. So this must be. So you think this one has to be you, <laughs> based on your sound powers of deduction? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to give him his full name, he was Maximinus Thrax. But I thought if there I said Maximinus, you'd guess that and be like, yeah, he's definitely an emperor because he's called Maximinus. Yeah. But yeah, he was uh, a Thracian. He was basically the first person to become emperor who was like lowborn, if that makes right. sense. So he wasn't too long, I think, after uh, after Commodus. There was a few people before him, but then. Yeah, there was this guy. Um, he, he apparently once... He was very tall, apparently. Quite a big guy. And he once ran along the side of an emperor's, like, carriage and impressed an emperor because he was in so the went, Right, that's the next emperor. Yeah. Uh, question... <laughs> Four? Six. Yeah, I've realised I've got six here for some reason. <laughs> uh, we'll go with this one. Um, unless you want all six. We can do six if you like. Do what you want. Do what you want. It's your show. Yeah. Uh, question four then uh, Philip the Arab was Philip the Arab <laughs> a Roman so obviously not but then therefore must be an emperor <laughs> well what do you think was Philip the Arab a Roman emperor or not obviously was he, just... he was yeah yeah. it's the most you... emperor name you've ever heard it's very emperor yeah it's like <laughs> Julius Philip the Arab Caesar isn't it or is it a double yeah. bluff no I'm going to say he was you think he was okay yeah. you're correct he was yeah. <laughs> Philip the Arab who was born in Syria <laughs> modern day Syria but yeah, he was called the Arab uh, the next one then is Gordian was Gordian a Roman emperor so the first two were no <laughs> don't next try two were no. work it out based on what I, I have, would I have no there's nothing I can pick out that would give me a clue in this. Oh, so you've just um, got to go based on what I... So I'm just going to go based on the fact that I've done a lot of multiple choice quizzes. I'm going to say, of course he wasn't. Because I would be like, well, I would make one emperor and then the next one has to be not. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, unfortunately you're wrong on this one. It, you double bluffed yourself there, I feel. Really uh, Gordian was a Roman emperor for about, for not very long. It was <laughs> Gordian the first, God, he was Gordian the first, there was Gordian the second and Gordian the third. And mm. uh, they didn't last too long, unfortunately <laughs> for the Gordians. And then fifth or sixth and final one, because I wrote three twice by accident um, <laughs> on my notes, uh, was Justinian. 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 The Roman emperor. Yeah. Have you heard of Justinian? I know that I know that word. Other than, uh, other than Julius Caesar, he's probably the most famous on this list. Oh, right, okay. Well, in so, that case, I'm going to assume that you're going to put it there as a red herring, and therefore it's <laughs> not an emperor. <laughs> um, well, yeah, so technically he was not the emperor of of Rome he was a biz, he was the most famous Byzantine emperor interesting who interesting. who actually did at one point technically control what we would class as the city of Rome but never what we would class as the classical Roman empire he was by this point i think he was about 100 years ish just before Maybe no, maybe like fifty or sixty years after the fall. Just, of just the out by a by a hair. Just missed it by a yeah, nose. Yeah, but he wouldn't have. He would never have ruled the Western Empire anyway in his period because it split up in about three ninety five or something right. between Eastern Western Roman empires. But he's very famous. He was. Uh, he's responsible for the Hagia Sophia um, in Istanbul. If you've ever seen that on t- TV or anything like that. Nope. 
Nope. Google it. It's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. It's a, uh, it was a church, then it was a mosque, then it was a museum. And then last year, that knobhead in Turkey made it a mosque again. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. Well, Hugh, it's been an education, it's been an experience. Yeah. Uh, we've had laughs, we've had tears. How many did you get right? One? Three, probably. Three, yeah, I think you got three. Three out of your 50%. I'll take it. I got the same <laughs> score as Gladiator got in Roger Ebert's eyes. Indeed. So, Sam, what film are we going to be doing next week? I'm going to spring this on you, we haven't discussed it. We uh, haven't we're going to watch another black and white film I think only our fourth um, The Apartment is what we're going to watch next oh, week oh right okay what Correctly. do you know about The Apartment uh, bugger all it's not it's not no because that was called Rear Window wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> that was the name of the film is it Christmas yeah. Carol no because that was called Christmas Carol oh what could it be uh, <laughs> no I was just no I don't, I don't I know anything about it honestly I couldn't tell you a thing about it I couldn't tell Perfect. you a director who's in it this, yeah, I'm looking forward. To I, I would say I go in with no knowledge and just watch it and enjoy it. I have heard of it, just FYI. But well, just, well done, well done. I just haven't. It. Thanks, but I've just never seen anything or remember anything about it. Good. Uh, yeah, so it's a great film. I've only seen it once years ago, and uh, I'm looking forward to rewatching it. That's the reason why I'm recommending it, so I can rewatch it this week. Cool. Well, Hugh, it's been a blast. Um, listener, thank you very much for being a part of it. Hugh, if they want to get in touch and tell us their favourite thing about the apartment, uh, what can they do to do that, mate? Well, what they need to do is they need to rent out an apartment, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> Preferably in Rome. <laughs> and then they need to become a gladiator. <laughs> right. And, then, and earn their freedom like, like a, and like, free yeah, like, a mod, like they need to be a modern day gladiator. So I want to see him with those like big cotton boots. <laughs> Very much Preferably, the new jet. Basically, if your name is Wolf, <laughs> yeah. email us in at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. Good idea. Sam, mm. if that's far too much effort for them, how can they get us on social media? Take out their mobile device. Go to the internet browser or your app store, download Twitter, and uh, find us on Twitter at PleaseWatchPod. That would be the best way to do it. Sounds like a plan, doesn't it? Sounds like it a does. plan. Speaking yeah. of plans, our plan listener next week is to talk at you again. So yeah. I love you, and I'll talk at you next week. Take care. Bye! Bye.